Amen. So good morning from me as well. And uh, good morning to those of you uh, who are watching online, who are joining us from wherever you may be. Um, this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm in a mixture, I'm in a tension of emotions this morning. Uh, I'm really excited about the theme that we'll be speaking about, that we're thinking about, but at the same time, I'm nervous. There's, a, there's an anxiety. I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of vulnerable with, with this theme uh, as well. Um, not because you're a hard audience. I just want to just get that out there. Well, Julia is sometimes a bit tough on me, but most of you are lovely. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm uh, vulnerable as well. There's a, there's a sort of a tension uh, going on. Um, I'm feeling these things because this passage that we're going to look at, we'll turn to in a moment, uh, is extraordinarily beautiful. But at the same time, it's frighteningly challenging. And it's one of those passages where we see what, what could be. In fact, we, sh- we see what, what should be. And at the same time, it seems so alien to our lives, to our culture, to our society, to, to life in the West in the 21st century. And if, if I'm honest, I think we've got a long way to go before this passage reflects us, either individually uh, or as a church community. The subject being addressed is uh, money, wealth, and possessions. Okay, so we're going to read the passage, um, but right at the start, I want to say, let's, let's engage with this together. Let's explore this together with buckets of grace, because this is one of those tricky topics, isn't it? Let's have masses of grace and humility as we journey into this uh, together. At the same time, we want to invite God to set a fire in us if there's something that he wants to ignite, if there's something he wants to burn off, if there's something he wants us to address with him. Okay, so we're going to read the passage. I'd love you to turn to it if you could. Um, it's Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Uh, if you're scrolling through a Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, they're the four Gospels, then the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. We're going to be looking at four verses, verse 32 all the way to verse 35. And it's going to be up on the screens as I read it. It says this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's Grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Isn't that awesome? That is, that is beautiful. I, I would love to be part of a community like that, don't you? Want to be part of a community so generous, so liberal with our things and our money. I'd just love to say a prayer as we uh, get going. Lord, this is your word. And would you bring this to life for each of us today? Keep us from feeling any condemnation or guilt. We know none of that's from you. But save us at the same time. Save us from pride or complacency. Give us wisdom to know what you're saying. Give us courage to act on it. Amen. So I could possibly just sit down there, just let the, the words of the Bible do the, do the job. Um, 
But actually, I want to say a few things this morning. The first is I want to acknowledge how tricky this is a subject. Um, This whole idea of money, wealth, and possessions. I think it's tricky to handle. Um, It's possible that uh, you might be new or fairly new, or that you might just be visiting us as a church. You might be here or or joining us online, and you might be thinking, I don't even know what I think about God or life or faith and stereotype, here they are, banging on about money. Isn't that just typical? Friends, I want to say we are not after your money. Okay, I'm going to put it out there. It's honest. It's true. We're not after your money. If you are new, I want you to really feel especially welcome. You might actually find today eye-opening. You might, you might find it, and I hope you do, that actually this will give you an insight to who we are uh, like, like maybe nothing else will. Not because we're banging on about money, but actually because we're not afraid to tackle difficult subjects. We, we want to go into subjects, even the ones that make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, we want to uh, not shy away from parts of the Bible that we're like, wow, this is tough. This is making a tough ask on us. So actually, you're going to see a little bit of who we are and what we're like just by uh, just by being with us today. Um, we'd probably want to say right early on, we're, we're a bunch of people who make mistakes, that we get things wrong a lot. We, none of us would claim that we've, we've got it nailed, that we've got this all sorted. Uh, we've got loads of questions. But we are united in our love for Jesus. And we're blown away by his love for, for us. And, and that's what kind of pulls us together. We are broken, imperfect people, and he loves us. And that, that's astonishing. Uh, and we're, we're amazed that he would come and die for us, that we might know life in all its fullness. So that's kind of who we are. Um, and uh, if you are new, you are so welcome. We'd love to uh, get to know you properly, especially when we can take our masks off and, and have a bit more normality in life. But this subject sometimes is tricky, especially for visitors or newcomers. The second reason I think this subject is is tricky is a cultural reason. Culturally, money is a very, very private affair. You know, I think we were taught this when we were little kids. Uh, Maybe we unconsciously teach this to our kids now that we don't talk about uh, money, especially with visitors. Imagine you've got someone coming around for a cup of tea in your garden, uh, and they arrive and they park outside the house, um, and they've they've arrived in a really flash car. It's like, wow, what a beautiful car, great. But your eight-year-old, especially if you've got a boy, like an eight-year-old, ten-year-old, there's no filter, and they're like, wow, they go up to your guest and go, Oh my goodness, what a car. How much did that cost you then? Can you imagine? You're like, don't ask that. And you kind of try and shepherd them away. It's more than your pocket money. Go away. Imagine you've gone to someone else's house or garden and and a child comes up to you and, and just says, so how much money did you make this year? You wouldn't answer that question. We, we, we don't. We, there's a, an unwritten, that's not something we talk about openly. There's this uh, sense, especially in our culture, where money is a very private uh, affair. I, I wonder whether this is partly because so much of our sense of worth is all wrapped up with money. Uh, part of our identity is all wrapped up with, with money and possessions and things. I've worked for... 
churches for 20 years or so. Uh, and I've, I've found uh, people seem to be way more open about other very personal things than they are about money. Uh, things like relationships, failed relationships, broken relationships, things like sexuality or addictions. People seem to chat way more vulnerably in, in those areas than they do about money. That's, no, we don't talk about that. So I think this might be one of the reasons why this is a, a tricky subject, because culturally it's so private. Don't ask me, don't, let's not talk about it. But I think we should talk about it. The third reason I think this is hard for us, and hard for me, is that we live in such an affluent society. Many of us are, are, are wealthy in, in this church family and, and in this area, uh, and I'm part of a, a very wealthy family. Part of me is worried today that you will think, wow, he's such a hypocrite for even speaking on this subject. And part of me is wondering if I am. So the last two or three weeks, as I've been kind of in these verses and praying and pondering them through, it's actually been really valuable for me to go back and ask those hard questions and talk to the Lord about wealth and money and things and, and wrestle with it quite a bit. It's also been amazing to go back and reflect upon the ultimate generosity of God. And that's where it all begins as well. So I'm feeling excited because this is such a beautiful passage and such an exciting area to talk about, but there's, there's some nervousness and vulnerability too. I'd like to read the passage again, because ultimately I want his word to be the thing that you walk out with, that you hear, that he speaks through his word. So I'd love to read it again. And then we've got about 10 minutes or just, just a bit more, and I want to pick out just a couple of things there. So again, we'll, we'll get those uh, words on the screen. And it's Acts chapter 4, verse, verse 32. Love to read it again. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. If it's okay with you, I, I want to kind of skip the general context uh, of, of these early disciples recently uh, having experienced the resurrection and, and, and Pentecost, the filling uh, of the Spirit. You can catch up or read around this a bit. You can watch the last few weeks of, of our videos on, on YouTube, and that will give you the context. Today, I want to just jump straight into the subject, money, wealth, possessions. And I'd love to pull out two things that I think these, these four verses uh, get us to think about. They, they ask us questions in these two areas. The areas are attitudes and actions. Our attitudes to money and our actions with it. Okay? Attitudes and actions. Attitudes is kind of like how we see money, what we think of it, how we see things, what we think of it. Do you know the, the story of, of the Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman? They're, they're sadly at the funeral of, of, of a friend, and they're at the graveside. The, the coffin is just about to lower down, and, and the Englishman suddenly goes, Oh my goodness, I've just realized I owe the guy £10, and, and I couldn't have him going to his grave with this debt outstanding. He gets his wallet out, gets a £10 note, 
pops it on the top of the coffin, stands back feeling relieved. The Irishman sees him do it and realises he too owes £10, does the same, gets his wallet out, gets £10 out, quickly puts it on the coffin, stands back feeling relieved. The Scotsman goes, ah, me too, I also owe the guy £10. He gets out his checkbook, he writes a cheque for £30, puts that on the coffin, takes the £20 cash back, puts it in his pocket. Now, I don't know if that's greedy or shrewd, you know. If you're sitting anywhere near someone under 25, please lean over and just whisper to them what a checkbook is, because um, I haven't used one for years. The truth is, money is very powerful, isn't it? It's so alluring. It's got a power. It's almost like it's got a magnetic force that, that, that draws us towards it. That it makes us want it. And I guess that's why the Bible speaks so much about it. In all of Jesus' teachings, someone's done some uh, mathematics and calculations, and someone's worked out that of all of the things Jesus said, he speaks about money and possessions, about 15% of everything he said. It's quite a high proportion just for one subject. Someone did some other uh, sums, and uh, they worked out that the Bible on the subject of prayer has 275 verses on the subject of prayer. On the subject of faith, it has 350 verses about faith. On the subject of love, it has 650 verses all about love. On the subject of money, 2,350. The Bible speaks about money and possessions and things so much. Why? Because... It is so important and we can be led down such an unhealthy path with it. It can have an incredible hold on us. And our society has brought into the lie that money equals happiness. Uh, J.D. Rockefeller, um, it was said that he was, he was um, possibly the richest man ever in real terms. Um, certainly very famous and certainly very wealthy. He was once asked, it was said, um, that uh, someone asked him, uh, how much money does it take to make someone happy? And he replied, just a little bit more. It's quite a, a true statement. It's a very um, powerful, deceptive thing. Now, I think that maybe the most fundamental principle for us is found here in verse 32. Perhaps you want to have a quick look at it. Verse 32 starts with this. It says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. No one claimed, this is in a church family, the early church, just weeks perhaps after the resurrection and the, and the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Friends, this understanding, this attitude to possessions, to wealth, to money, is a game changer. We're so conditioned to think of things in terms of ownership, this is mine. Whose is this? It's got to be someone's, hasn't it? And of course, we even talk about our income in terms of earnings. What did you earn last month? And when we, when we talk about earnings, even the word kind of compounds this idea that it's mine because I earned it. I, I earned it. I worked for it. It's got to be. It's due to me. And even that concept, that word earnings, I want to try and delete it from our vocabulary if we can because... It makes us think it's mine. These guys had such a different attitude altogether, a different perspective. And they understood that everything, 
belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. I don't know if you um, have got the Bible app, or the version Bible app on your phone. Uh, one of the things I do every day is I just have a look at the verse for the day. Um, and, and I have some of my prayers coming out of it. Sometime in, in this week, the verse of the day was Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, everything is the Lord's. Actually, it doesn't say that. I think I've misread that. <laughs> it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So I've learned it and memorized it and performed it for you this morning. It says, Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's very powerful. It's very simple. And I suppose it, it picks up this whole idea that we don't own anything. The, the idea here is the idea of stewardship. That he's, he's asking us to be stewards of the things he entrusts to us. And a steward takes care of his master's things. And, and so what's in my bank is not mine. The thing I drive here in is not mine. The clothes, they're not mine. Everything is the Lord's. Uh, it's his resources. I'm not uh, huge into Church of England liturgy. Uh, that might surprise you in a church like this. Um, but there is a beautiful line in one of the liturgy prayers. You might remember it from, from years ago. Um, and the line in, um, it's the prayer of the, of, of the pr preparation of the table. And it says this. It says, all things come from you. And of your own do we give you. And if that, that line rings a bell, all things come from you, and of your own do we give you. It absolutely nails it. You know, so anything that we might give in a collection plate, online, weekly or spontaneously, all things come from you, and of your own, it's yours, do we, do we give you. That's so good. It actually comes from, all the best bits of liturgy come from the Bible itself. It comes from 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 29. Uh, and it absolutely smashes it. Now, if, guys, if we are to adopt this attitude, if we can take on this attitude as much as we can, we will increasingly find ourselves becoming more and more generous. Because it means we're not going to be parting with our cash or our things. We're just going to be redistributing God's cash. God's things to the place he's telling us to give it. It's all his. And he might say, hey, put some of it here. Put some of it there. Bless this person. This is my stuff anyway. Just, just re-channel it and distribute it this way. And I think that's so liberating. I think it takes the pressure off when we start thinking uh, in, this, in this way. I, th I heard, that, um, I think I read, it was John Wesley, I think, who was traveling, and a horse rider messenger came up to him um, and said, Mr. Wesley, terrible news, terrible news, your house has burnt down. Uh, and uh, his response was, no, not my house, the Lord's house. And that means it's just one less thing for me to be troubled about. And, and that's a beautiful, liberating attitude. Imagine if we lived with that. I want to pull out the second thing from our passage, and, and, and that's actions, attitudes and actions. And, and this is the scary bit, or is it the beautiful bit? Maybe it's the beautiful bit. They shared, so verse 32 carries on uh, and, and says uh, they didn't consider it was their own, they, uh, but they shared everything they had. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, 
put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. You see, this, this attitude of this isn't really mine led to generously sharing what they had for those in need. Actions follow attitudes. Attitudes are revealed by actions. Not revealed to others, doesn't matter what other people think, but revealed to ourselves. If you're not sure about what your attitude or how you think about money and wealth and possessions, look at how you live, look at how you give, and our attitudes are revealed by our actions. And one of the things I think is amazing is that this applies to everyone. The call here is for everyone, whether rich or poor or somewhere in the middle. The call is to live generously, to share willingly, to do everything we can to meet the needs of others. And you know generosity isn't, isn't about the amount. We, we, we know that, don't we? Um, you can see the scaffolding if you're in the building. This whole place is covered in scaffolding. A year or so ago, we were raising funds to, to, to fix the roof in this building. Uh, it, it's costing hundreds of thousands of pounds. We didn't want to do this. We didn't want to spend that kind of money, but we had to. Um, the money has come from the church family. Lots of people have said, I mean, a tiny grant has come in, a, a grant has come in for a tiny proportion of it. And if you gave that grant, we're very grateful to you. But, but, but the money, the massive amount of the money came from other people, uh, from people sharing, giving generously. Now, about a year ago or so, uh, there was a staff prayer meeting. And I think one of the finance team wanted to encourage us and, and said, and with complete an anonymity, said, hey, guys, do you know what happened? Someone has given a big gift. I think it was £20,000 or, or something, or as a pledge, or, or it might have, might, have, might have been more. And, and most of us go, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's so generous. And then David Baker, David Baker, in his comic but actually making an important point method just goes well it might not be and we were like what it might not might not be generous whoever gave that might have been rolling in it that might not have been generous at all and then he made the point that actually the person who gave 10 pounds and that almost broke them that might have been way more generous than the £20,000 gift or, or whatever it was. And he's absolutely right. Didn't Jesus tell a story? Actually, he had, had a moment where it, almost exactly that happened. They were all going to the temple. He was watching people put in their gifts into the temple kind of collection. And he saw uh, uh, probably an old widow. I think he said it was a widow. And she just put in two small coins. And he said, that was generosity. So, so this is not about the amount Although that, that gift probably, we, the last thing we want to do is make assumptions on other people's giving. And, and so that big gift probably was extremely generous as well. But it's not about the amount. We don't want to make judgments. This is between uh, you individually and God who provided it all in the first place. This is between me and God who gave it. Generosity is about our heart, our heart with him. Generosity is about a heart. It's about joyfully giving, even sometimes painfully giving. But he says he wants us to be generous, uh, joyful in our giving, cheerful givers. It's about channeling his resources where he directs. And it's about trusting in him, not trusting in what we've got materially. And you know, the more 
generous we become, the more like Jesus we become. And the more like Jesus we become, the more generous we will be. Generosity, generosity, generosity. Now, of course, I, I know you know as well, generosity is not just about money. It's also generosity with time. It's generosity with compassion and with skills and, and love and, and all of that. And all of that is absolutely in here too. But this passage is talking about finances, money, wealth, possessions, and things. And that's why the focus today I, I'm making is, is on that. And, and also, of course, between us, in this church family, over, over months and years, we will have all seen beautiful moments of generosity here, of generosity of every, of every kind. And we just need to keep going into ever greater trust in God and ever greater generosity. Today, I think my invitation today is let's just allow God's word to search us, to equip us, to fire us up, to give us the courage to trust and go even further. Whatever you have decided with the Lord in, in your heart. Remember when we think about giving, God wants something for us. He doesn't want something from us. It's not that he needs your money. He doesn't. But, but all of this is because this is good for us. It's good for our hearts. And we can't trust in money and things and trust in God. We can't serve money and things and trust God at the same time. Generous living is, is so good for us. So, so today, friends, this is just an opportunity to think about our attitudes, to think about our actions, to take them to God and say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying to me today?